Hey everyone, it's Mike Staub here from the How About This podcast. We've got a great episode coming up for you today. We talk about my absolute favorite video game of all time, Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. Jordan and I delve into the story, we talk about the characters, we talk about what we love so much about this game, and I give you a pitch on my take on a sequel for this awesome and amazing video game. If you're a fan of Super Mario and if you're a fan of RPGs, we think you're going to love this one. Check it out. And from Jordan and me, we'd like to ask, how about this. Hello internet, everyone out there in cyberspace. It is Mike Staub once again for the How About This podcast. This is episode two. We're actually going to be discussing something that is very near and dear to my heart today. But before we get involved into this long-winded conversation about a very, well, I guess a somewhat popular entertainment property to some pretty, degree. Pretty pretty popular. Pretty popular entertainment property. It's not as popular as the last one, but let me go ahead and introduce, let me go ahead and introduce the best co-host on the planet, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Jordan, What's up, man? I'm the best co-host on the planet. That I is think such, so. That is bad news for so many people. Uh, but I'll take it. Sorry, Andy Richter and all the rest of you guys. No, no, no. Andy Richter's not a. He's not a co-host. I feel like he's like a sidekick. Like we're equal in this footing. Oh, so so this is not a dream. No, it's not a dream. <laughs> all right, but we might get there today. How's it going? How'd you like? Episode one was fun, man. We did a lot. We did it, a lot of fun. It feels like only yesterday we were recording episode one, and now here we are, some unnumbered amount of time later, recording episode two. Look at that. That's right. It's like it's almost like we had an idea to record a handful of these all at once, so that we could. <laughs> what are you talking about? The show's been on for weeks. It's a smash hit. Everyone's You're right. Talking. Everyone's subscribing. Everyone's subscribing on like iTunes. And subscribe, and like, and subscribe. We have we have thirty thousand Patreon patrons. Yeah, we're rolling. We quit our jobs at this point. That's Episode right. So successful, we don't have to work anymore. Ex- exactly. We're professional podcasters now, which I guess just means we do what we've done our entire lives. Just a few people listen to it. Yeah, take that, this American life. <laughs> last week, last episode, we talked about Batman. And it was a lot of fun. We talked about the Batman movie, the new Batman movie coming out. Learn hockey pass. <laughs> My joy out of this podcast in general is not just talking about things I like, but the varied properties that we get to kind of dive into. Sure. So we went with a heavy hitter, right, for the first one. And this one's a heavy hitter too, to a degree. But I think this aspect of this property is a little, I don't want to say- more, un- this, is, this is more niche for sure. Yeah, this is definitely the nicher, more niche side of kind of the whole entertainment thing. And it's video games today. We're talking about a video game. And we're talking about my favorite video game. And this is a full disclaimer right now. Jordan and I are both from Long Island. The way sorry. we pronounce- <laughs> We're sorry. The way we pronounce this lead character's name- is how we've always pronounced it. He's, this is how people in our family pronounce it that's right. who have these names. This is how people we know from local from the from the area pronounce this name. It's the, almost like the English pronunciation or the British pronunciation. However, we just want to get this out of the way now so that all the haters who have a meltdown over the fact that we don't pronounce it with the long A, I apologize ahead of time. So Do they today, even know what we're talking about yet? They, they will. They will. Oh my God, the, the buildup. The buildup. There's so much buildup. So we're talking about Super Mario today. Now, yes, yeah, Super Mario. Mario, we, you know what? We know we're wrong. We know it's Mario, but we say Mario because we can't help ourselves. Someone once told me I was, when I was working at, at the university I worked at for a while, someone once heard me say Mario Kart and they turned to me and they're like, why do you say Mario? Isn't it Mario? And I'm like, I'm from Long Island. And like <laughs> 10 people left. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Let's, we just call it Mario. We, we, we know we're wrong. We acknowledge we are the wrong ones, but it's, it's it's we Long it's Islanders. Mario, guys. It's we Long Islanders and the English do it. The British do it. The British say Mario, but they also say pasta. And Alex Trebek 
Alex Trebek says Mario, and he pronounces everything correct. So Alex Trebek is never wrong. No, never, ever. He's the, he's, he's the host of Jeopardy. You can't be. But we're talking about a very specific aspect of the Mario universe today. It's a game that Jordan and I love to death. I think we bonded over this game. I think this is how we became friends to a degree back in that 1998. Right. Yeah. I think we bonded over this in Final Fantasy VII. But my yeah. favorite game of all time is Super Mario RPG. It's a game I've probably played the most. It's a game that I've beaten so many times at this point. I would start every single summer when I was in school, grade school, playing this game. Like that was it. It was like the end of the year happened, finals happened, and I would start Mario RPG and I'd play that for like the first few days of the summer every single year. So it's something that's that I've played a lot and I love the characters and I, I pretty much love everything about it. And I'm going to dive into why I like it so much. But what's your experience with this one? I found this game pretty early. I think this was something that I, I probably saw first advertised in one of the, I, I miss them so much, but those old Game Informer magazines or uh, what, what were the older, other older ones? You the, had uh, EGM, N you had Nintendo Game Power. Inform Nintendo Power, EGM, Game Informer, Game Pro. Yeah, so my, my parents were very good to me and we subscribed to basically all of those. And yeah. this game was like a long time coming and I, I had really been looking forward to it. And I remember me and my buddy, he actually went to middle school with us, uh, Chris Gerard. Yes. Um, was really, really into this game. And we, uh, I would go through it together and he gave me his strategy guide. And I, I actually have realized more recently, I, I think Mario RPG and not Final Fantasy VII was actually my first uh, RPG that I ever played. So this was like, in a, in a manner of speaking, this was like my first big boy game. This was my <laughs> this was my introduction to the RPG world. And I think that it's an introduction for a lot of people because it was actually kind of made that way on purpose. I've done some research and I've been researching this game forever. So it was like a perfect storm when this game was made. So now Super Mario RPG came out in 1996 in the United States and Japan. It actually was released very close together, which is odd for an RPG because RPGs take so much time to localize. The game has to be successful over in Japan and then they have to kind of get a localization team together to kind of break down the nuances of language, reconvert it, convert all the jokes and all that stuff to see if they work with, United, with a, an American audience. Nintendo, allegedly, from what I've read, always wanted to put Mario in an RPG. They always wanted to put him in an RPG setting. However, there was really never a way to do it. Nintendo didn't like making their own RPGs. They still don't like making their own RPGs. Even the RPGs that are made under the Nintendo banner these days are usually made by some different second party company, like a company like Intelligent Systems, who does the Fire Emblem games, or Earthbound and Mother are Nintendo obviously a Nintendo property as well, but even those games, you know, are handled by like HAL Laboratory and other, other companies like that. They don't like making RPGs. Nintendo has been open about that since day one, which is sure. why so many of their consoles don't have that many after the SNES. Which is so funny to me because to me, the, the Legend of Zelda, which I recognize is not a true RPG, seems like it was one of like the cornerstones of this genre, but I guess not this way specifically because there is a bit of separation between mm -hmm what Legend of Zelda is and what a true RPG is. And, and Mario RPG succeeds because it is a true RPG. It's a true RPG. Yeah, it's a true RPG using famous Nintendo characters that we kind of know and love. Nintendo wanted to make a, an RPG starring Mario and they never had a real excuse to do it or they never had a real reason to do it. And then they kind of touched base with Squaresoft, who at this time was to the top of their game. They were kind of reaching this status of this is a company that makes great role-playing games. And Squaresoft wanted to make a role-playing game that would sell to American audiences. A couple of meetings with Nintendo and Squaresoft went really well, and they decided to make an RPG starring Mario and his friends and work together to get it put over here. Obviously, Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, he's like, 
a super important figure at Nintendo, was heavily involved in making a lot of the design choices with this game. But there was also a team over at Square who worked on the game as well. And those members of that team would actually go on to start uh, a company called Alpha Dream, which continued to make Super Mario RPGs moving forward with the Mario and Luigi series on the Game Boy and the DS. A guy by the name of Yoshihiko Mayakawa who founded Alpha Dream was heavily involved in Mario RPG as well as Chihiori Fujioka who is also involved making games like Super Mario RPG but before that Final Fantasy Mystic Quest which was a US only Final Fantasy game it kind of had a team together that had experience with the United States and bringing RPGs there so when this game came out Squaresoft at the time like I said have just gotten off of Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy 6 Secret of Mana Final Fantasy 4 terrible games that should never be replayed that no, nobody should play them. They're not on the best games ever lists no, ever. Terrible, terrible. They're everyone hates them. So you have some of the best RPGs ever made coming out at this time. And now Nintendo wants to work with Square to do this. So they come out and they release Mario RPG. And it kind of took me completely by storm. I had played some RPGs. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 3 at the time, which is now known as Final Fantasy 6. Well, actually, actually always been known as Final Fantasy 6, but I'm not going to get into that. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 3 and I played a lot of the first Final Fantasy. This game kind of made me fall in love with the RPG. And since then, I've been a pretty hardcore RPG gamer. And I think we both have that experience in common. It hit us at the right time. We were 10. That was a know? big year in 96. Yeah. Nin- 96, like those years were really, really important. Uh, the N64 ended up coming out later that year. And even Mario RPG, the way it looks, it kind of looks like it was a step up with the whole isometric, almost 3D style gameplay. I know how I feel about this game. <laughs> like, I know why I love this game so much. What stands out to you about what you love about it? And maybe we can talk a little bit about the story and stuff in there as well. It's entirely to do, I realize now as an adult, to do with the intersectionality between characters that you know and you love and you're familiar with, including like the aesthetic and their iconography, with uh, giving it a storyline. Yeah. And uh, for me me personally, I, I have a lifelong obsession, perhaps too much with, with fairy tales and folklore. Mm-hmm. And Mario RPG's storyline is, is cut right out of the Brothers Grimm. You've got, yeah. you know, a, a, you've got a Frog Prince character, you've got a Pinocchio character, you have a, a Bluebeard Rumpelstiltskin character in Booster. It kind of like piqued everything that I found fascinating as a kid. I was like, oh my God, it's Mario in an RPG-styled game, which I was just getting into and really enjoying and, and obviously still enjoy now. And then with a storyline to feel like the things you were doing were more meaningful than just, you know, stomping on a bunch of turtles. Part of the mentality around Mario is that they don't give him a story typically because they want every game to feel like it's its own thing and you don't have to invest too much time to try to understand what's going on. It's just kind totally. of move left to right, jump on some mushrooms, jump on some turtles and experience the mechanics that they want to play with and experience that don't give it too much story but i think what i love about this is like you said it's the intersectionality between characters we already know and love and a gameplay style that those characters are usually not seen in so you have mario and his friends in this rpg setting with a fairly in-depth story about dreams and hopes and aspirations and working along with these fairy tale characters to kind of try to save our wishes and hopes from coming true. So the whole story about Mario RPG is Mario once again is going to save Peach or Princess Toadstool as she was still called in those days. I think this is the last time she had been referred to as Toadstool before they finally completely changed her over to Peach, which is her Japanese name. Mario goes to save her at Bowser's Castle because she's been captured again. And while they're having their fight, which is done through these lovely time-based and turn-based battles, Bowser 
Bowser's castle gets attacked by a giant sword, which kind of stabs itself into the top of, of Bowser's castle. And that sword represents a gate between two different realities, right? So it's the Mario reality and then this other extra planner realm that we end up knowing is like Smithy's workshop and all that. When this happens, Bowser and Mario and, and Peach all get shot into different directions. They all end up in different spots of the Mushroom Kingdom or Mario's World or whatever you want to call it. And we end up finding out through the game that the Star Road, which is this mythical road up in the cosmos, which kind of is a spot where all your wishes go to when you make them, because everyone wishes on a shooting star, is in danger and was actually destroyed and the seven power stars that kind of power or represent the focal points of the star road had been shot all over this world and Mario and his friends got to go repair the star road. You're told this by a brand new character who is the personification of a star, right? The spirit of a star in a doll's body. So Pinocchio, right? Gino is essentially Pinocchio. Overtly Pinocchio. Overtly Pinocchio. And he leads Mario and his friends to kind of repair the star, to to repair the star road. And along the way, you meet guys like Malo and you actually get out of the Mushroom Kingdom and you go to different spots in this world that Square has made. And I think that's a big thing for me, that you see that there are things outside uh, the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Listen, going to the different worlds and seeing how things were different were always a little part of the games and, and you would get some fun with that uh, i mean i think some of us for some of us mario 3 might be our favorite game because yeah. each one of those worlds is is a little bit different but now now these are really more physical places that you travel to and you see kind of like a little glimpse into like the different culture of the kind of creatures and people that that live in all these places so it was it was really cool to see a more expansive world yeah and just have more characters that you could talk with i mean there are different there are different people from all different towns there's different types of like toad people and then you see you meet the moles in moleville and then there are cloud people in nimbus town it's or nimbus land and it's it's so cool to have all that stuff. It's like part of me still to this day thinks about the whole Mario world in general as having these characters in it. We've just not heard for them in some time. And it's kind yeah. of upsetting that we haven't seen them again. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. I'm, I'm sure that they'll cycle back to those characters eventually, though maybe that hope is naive because actually it's been a very long time at this point. What I wanted to bring up about the game is that I realize now, again, looking back, something I, I could never have realized as a kid because it was my first RPG, but this whole game is commentary. It's all one big spoof uh, uh, done with love of course a Uh loving spoof a satire on the RPG genre, which mm-hmm. was not something as a 10-year-old that I was really aware of. But now I look back and I, I think it's hilarious. I think, you know, the, the way you interact with the NPCs and how they say repetitive things and make a joke about that. And you see Link at one point sleeping in one of the inns. <laughs> yep. And uh, it's really a very clever game. And the, the villains are, are scary and funny. Uh, yeah. You know, they're, they're really clever. It's cute. You, it's... you fight Mac the Knife, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, they're all over the top and a little bit ridiculous in the way that RPG and anime villains really are. And the Mario RPG games, all of them across the board, have always had a lovely sense of humor because they've used this, a lot of the same localizers to translate the jokes well so that they come over here and they have fun with themselves. It's, it's a game that is self-aware and, and isn't afraid to have fun with itself. And even Gino, right? Gino is your your classic RPG hero. He's kind of like this anime knight. He's a star, right? He's a star that's in the body of a, of a doll, but he's got like these great lines and he's like this ultra heroic blue cloth cape wearing anime hero. And, and his mission is to kind of repair dreams and wishes. So it's a very, it gets abstract when you get to that, but 
I love how they play into the whole thing that it's like, hey, this is all about our wishes and our dreams. And I think that's amazing, especially since it uses the Star Road, which is something that's a little, little portion of Super Mario World. And I think what I love about it is that, you know, we've talked about introducing new characters. We've talked about it expanding upon things that are typically not part of the Mario universe and expanding the narrative. But I think part of the thing that I love as well about this game is that it feels like a Square RPG to the point where they even have inserts. Like, I always felt that Gino was Square's Final Fantasy insert into uh, the Mario RPG game. Like, he feels like a Final Fantasy character that got taken out of those early Final Fantasy games and dropped. What's great about it is that you have Square's understanding of the RPG and how it works with Nintendo's flourish and their polish. Like, Nintendo's polish is always noted as the best polish in the industry. No one finishes a game off like Nintendo does. That's why all of their games to this day, even if you play older ones, still look and play very, very well. Like I think you and I can go and sit down and play Super Mario World and it'll feel just as good as it did 20, 30 years ago, you know? Absolutely. God, yeah. Has it been that long? Jesus. Super Mario World is 91. So yeah, 20, uh, 29 years. It's not a good feeling. No, that's a, that's a terrible feeling. You know, what's, <laughs> you know what's hilarious? And I don't know if you still feel this way. I still think of Super Mario World as the new one. Yeah, it still has that feeling. You're totally right. Because yeah. I'm, I'm transported psychologically back to getting the Super Nintendo with yeah. that game and thinking, oh, it's a new Mario. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, to that, it's like still, it's still a new one to me. Like Mario 3, 1, 2, and 3 are the old ones. You know, where, yeah. where, where Mario World or Mario 4 is the, the new one. That's the new one. That one's still different. Still looks different. I still look at the backgrounds when I play Super Mario World. I'm like, oh. You know why? Because that's, that's the one that was ours. That's the one we all really cut our teeth on. That's the one we all got to explore. All the folks that are our age, all the guys and gals in their early to middle 30s or, or maybe just a little bit older, that's, that's always going to be our Mario. So, and that's a great one to identify with. So I have no problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like to me, it's the best one. I know people will get very angry that I don't, that I don't say three is the best one, but I think world world is the first game I remember playing that gave you a choice. It's like you start the game and you can go to the left or you can go to the right. And if you go to the left, you get to get a secret. And if you go to the right, you get to, you get to continue and see the rest of the world. So I thought that was really novel at the time especially since choice and agency has become something so important in video games. I mean, you're a Bioshock player, so you know. <laughs> oh man, I'm a diehard Bioshock player. I've played too much Bioshock. Man, we can't, <laughs> let's not even talk about Bioshock because it's going to be a whole thing. Oh, we're going to, we're going to get into Bioshock at some point. We're going to make that movie. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Let's start, <laughs> might be our next episode. We'll see. Might have to do Bioshock before the mummy. Oh, my um, God. oh no, no. <laughs> Mummies first. Yeah. So what I was saying is I love the collaboration between Square and Nintendo. And I wish that we saw more of this. Unfortunately, after the Super Nintendo, Square and Nintendo kind of went separate ways for a very long time. And Square went on to make some of the best games ever made. And Nintendo went on to have some weird years there. But they're back. And I think both companies are back together, um, at least to a degree. There's a lot of great Square stuff that's available on Switch. So I hope and dream. And the reason why I put this on the list is because Nintendo is being open lately about other companies working with their properties. They had Ubisoft make the Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle game, which is a lovely... It's like a sleeper hit. It's, it's a really good game. Yeah. It's a really great game. It's a turn-based strategy game, almost like a Final Fantasy Tactics, but with the Mario characters. And say what you will about the Rabbids. I know they can be very annoying to some people. They're but... adorable. <laughs> they're, they're like, ador they're, I think they predate the Minions too. And they pretty much have that personality. So that's oh, so interesting. The Minions, the Minions, they owe a lot of, they owe a lot of money to the Rabbids. They saying. might. If, There's a if, lawsuit. If my if my timeline is correct, I think they might. All they needed was a banana song. 
they could have been somebody. They could have been a contender. <laughs> so how do you feel about the, the new characters they added for Super Mario RPG? They're terrific characters. And, and I've been bitching for years that Gino should be added to every game uh, because I think he's, he's terrific. Strictly speaking, he's better than most Mario characters. The problem is, is that if you start to include Gino in everything, whether you want to drop him into Smash Brothers or whatever, is he will start to lose his specialness over time. So here's what I've decided. They're not aggressively pursuing making him something, I think, because... Maybe there is like some secret project sitting in someone's drawer somewhere and he is the nucleus of that and they don't want to spend that chip before they have to because that's a that's a real special character. That's and, and I'll tell you, Mario RPG, even though you are Mario, he's the surrogate. Gino's the heart of that game. It's and his that's, story. Uh, yeah, it's his story. So that's 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 why you don't want to overuse him too much. I think it would be great to see him in Smash or a Kart game, but yeah, I, I would, do I would agree. Love that. But I do agree that he's special, and it's if he only comes out every so often, that would be really really great. He does show up momentarily in one of the Mario and Luigi games. Kind of, he teaches you how to play a mini game. Oh, cool. It's not just. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's not him. He's just. You see the little doll. If it's. Uh, yeah, you can Google image search it and you see him. And that's really the only other place that he's ever popped up. One of the directors on Mario RPG actually worked on that game. So that makes perfect sense. That was his company. So it might be, in a way, his character. Gino and Malo and a lot of those characters also fall in a very strange legal ground because they're technically square characters. But I think Nintendo and Square have worked together enough now to where we might be able to see them. I mean, look at Smash Brothers, right? Smash Brothers Ultimate has Cloud Strife in it. It's got Mega Man in sure. it. It's got Ken and Ryu. It's got uh, Bayonetta. Yes. It's got all these. It's got Simon and Richter from Castlevania. Everyone wants to work with Nintendo for this sure. stuff. Sure, it's, it's a Shaggy and Scooby sandwich. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a huge, huge game. Um, and nothing against Nintendo and Square. These are both amazing companies. I have a lot of love for both of them. But I, I hope if it is the case that someone is just holding these characters back, Back because they don't want to uh, not get paid by somebody. I, I hope that they have the same realization that many creators have come to. It's just that these these characters ultimately belong to us, yeah. uh, the fans. So I hope that I hope that everyone gets released eventually. But but let's stay more positive. Let's say that maybe they are planning something for them and they're not just being held to some kind of legal cage. No, I agree. I agree. And I think too with with that is that Mario RPG has so many great characters that I would love to see again. I think Booster or Buki as he's known in Japan. I think Booster's wonderful. He's so good. I he's almost like Wario but not quite. Yeah, he was the he was he didn't quite predate Wario though cuz Wario no, Wario's around, right? Yeah, he was been around by that. He's been around by that time, but it's almost oh, right, like Right, right, cuz Wario debuted on the in the Game Boy game. Game Boy, yep. Six, six Golden Coins. Six Golden Coins. He was like the enemy in that game and then he had his own series. But Booster, I feel like Nintendo is okay with Wario kind of being like a bully or a jerk or annoying, but I don't know if they wanted him to be a flat out bad guy. Right. Kind of how Booster is a flat out bad guy. But even Smithy's great and his gang is great where Smithy is kind of this weaponsmith who creates these sentient weapons to go and kind of wreak havoc on all these different areas of the Mario Kingdom to get these yeah. to protect these stars. Yeah, I, I have a controversial little contribution here. Yeah, go for it. You know, you know who Smithy always kind of reminded me of? Not in the look at all, but the aesthetic. It was, it was very robotnik Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is a little like, oh, what's the Sonic guy doing here? And look what he's made of Mario's world, you know, a little bit. Yeah kind of transforming a lot of pieces of the world into like machinery right which was great because it opposed the forces of the natural world which you you were kind of playing as yeah um, so yeah that, that was cool 
I think that's one of the best, when we're talking about Sonic, I think that's actually one of the best aspects of Sonic in general is that story where Robotnik is this evil engineer scientist who is creating these robots to essentially replace the animals and the beings of the natural world. I think that's amazing. I think that's great. And I wish they ran more with that in the Sonic games, but they don't. So I think that this with Smithy is actually pretty great. But before before we delve further into this, I want to say a couple other things that really stand out to me. I love the timed hits. And I loved how the time hits during battle work with the, the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack is amazing for this game. I think it's got some great music. Yeah, music is basically its own character in this game. There's a huge sub-theme of, of music going on in this game. Absolutely. To whether you're doing the whole side quest where you have to write the song with the composer down in the lake. Which is awesome. Which Such is good so quest. good. Such a good quest with the little uh, with the little tadpoles. Or during battle like you can't play this game with the sound off because you need to kind of be able to hear the music and the rhythm to be able to get the timed hits great and i think that's what makes this game last so much longer it gives it longevity we're still seeing turn-based rpgs however there's usually some sort of twist on them like persona 5 is a turn-based rpg but it's so cool and stylish and snappy that it doesn't feel like a slog or when you go and play something like dragon quest 11 it's got that similar it has a slow turn-based battle system but there's some nice little adjustments that and animations that make it seem better. Sure. I didn't realize, I think, I don't know if it was when I played this or before I played this, uh, I, I didn't realize that timed hits were a thing. I guess Super Mario RPGs capitalized on that already existing. Because when I played later RPGs, I knew how to do that because of Mario RPG. Yeah. Like when I was playing, I'm really going to bring it back for a second. When I was playing Beyond the Beyond on, on PlayStation 1, which is a terrible RPG. That game has timed hits. And I was like, oh, this is like Mario RPG, except Mario RPGs was, you know, better. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I think to, for me, I think at that time it was kind Kind of a novel concept as well where it's just like you have to be more interactive in battle you have to pay attention you can block you can get more damage you can get div- double hits so it really does a really nice thing with that and i think with the soundtrack yoko shimimura's soundtrack combined with the time hits really kind of gives you that that hop and drive of the game and uh, yoko shimimura who's a wonderful Japanese video game composer has also done pretty much all of Street Fighter 2. So that's all her. And she's also done the Kingdom Hearts games. So she's got a legacy on her own. I mean, she wrote Guile's theme, which is <laughs> possibly one of the greatest da, themes da, da, in all da, 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 da. Exactly. So da, she's. Da, 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 da. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm it's fine. It's fine. She's so she's responsible for that as well as the wonderful music in this game. So I think that's a really big part. And video game music and music in general are very important to me. I think that a game with if this game had bad music, I think that would kind of deduct from what it what it needed to do. That being said, oh, yeah. Mario games usually have pretty pretty good music. Uh, I like how too with time hits. It's not like all right, just keep hitting X X X until you win. This one, it's like okay, no, you got to hit it the right time. You got to make sure you're hitting it the right right number of times so that you can actually um, succeed in combat. Sure. And, all, all kinds of clever things like that too. Like when you're fighting Bowyer and uh, he takes away certain buttons so you can yeah. use them and things like yeah. The the meta aspect of the game where it acknowledges that you are playing a game, aware that you're playing a game, it's really good stuff. And that's I think while obviously this is Square game, Nintendo is very big on making their games do more than just what they say they'll do. Square's big with that too though because the whole thing with Final Fantasy is that Final Fantasy games often go out of their way to include elements that aren't necessarily just RPG elements. Like Final Fantasy 7 is a great example, right? How many times did you and I sit and play the snowboarding thing? Oh my god. Forget right? it. All, all the mini games and the gold saucer. Or Fort, Fort Condor oh, or something Fort like Condor. that. Uh, tower Defense. That was like right at the start of the Tower Defense games becoming popular and that was yeah. a great one. That was so good. And that's kind of part of what Square wanted to do with Final Fantasy. So in a way, Mario RPG is kind of like a spiritual successor to Final Fantasy in, gen- in, a, 
in a way because it's still doing a lot of these things. And they even have some characters that are kind of inserts in there too. Like you fight that character Culex, who is essentially purposely a Final Fantasy villain. It's not from any of the other games, but you fight Culex, who's a secret boss in Final in um, Super Mario RPG. You fight him in the monster town and he looks like a Final Fantasy villain. They play the Final Fantasy IV boss music while you're fighting him. And then when you beat him, you get the Final Fantasy vic- uh, victory fanfare in a way that's kind of square tipping the cap to themselves of like, yeah, this is kind of a Final Fantasy game if it had Mario characters in it. And that was the hardest fight. That's uh, possible. That, yeah. that Qlex fight was much harder than Smithy uh, oh, yeah. in either in either form. Really tough. Oh, oh yeah, it's a very 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 difficult fight. And I think ultimately, what comes down what this comes down to, it's a collaboration done right. Nobody feels like they're more heavy-handed than the other. I think it feels like a really nice blend of styles in this game. And in the end, it's just a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, the the, the lightness is appreciated. I'm sh- you're, you're much more well-versed in games than I am on the whole, not just with RPGs. But I actually can't think immediately of an RPG that has as light a touch as Mario RPG does. And I, I get it. You know, typically RPG gamers are very hardcore. They love... <laughs> games that are total time sucks and they just want to grind away for hundreds of hours and that's that's beautiful that's uh, i'm not knocking that i think that's gorgeous but mario rpg is like no we're, we're going to be kind of silly kind of fun kind of light and we're going to have a lot of heart this was like the pre kingdom hearts kingdom hearts this was this was a, a game that had this really nice light comic touch and it was really beautiful yeah it was, it's trying to be fun it's trying to be light and fun and bouncy just like its soundtrack is and i really would like to see that and when we start to talk about it and i guess this is the right time to bring it up is what would someone like you or me want from a sequel it's something we haven't seen in a long time i'm not satisfied with a remake of this game i know there are a lot of folks out there who are like remake it remake it with the mario rabbit style it's like No, I think this game doesn't need to be remade. I think it looks good and plays just as well as it did in 1996 today. If if you were to put it into a Super Nintendo or play it on a Super Nintendo Mini, it still looks very, very good and plays very good. A lot of those PS1 games and N64 games have not aged well, which is why it makes sense to remake something like Final Fantasy VII because that game can be rebuilt from the ground up and look unbelievably good. I think it's much harder to make Mario RPG look better. Oh, yeah. you're totally right. You already said what I'm going to say, but um, there's a lot of those games in that middle period, let's say, where you saw them suffer from the graphics they had to use because that was available at the time. Mm -hmm. Mario RPG doesn't have that problem. It uses an art style and a gameplay style that is perfect for that system's capabilities in that time. And I think updating it actually would take something away. I think so. I think it takes away the charm a little bit. And that's why I'm not in it for a remake. If they're going to do anything with these properties and these characters, I want a true sequel. And I guess now is the time to talk about like, hey, what would we want to see in a sequel? So if you were to get a sequel for Super Mario RPG, what would you want? So I I think for me, a a sequel would have to just bring back a lot of those characters I've felt deprived of for so many years. Mm -hmm. Because for me, Mario RPG was really about its story. It's not that I felt the story was unfinished. I just I just want to, you know, have more time with those characters because I enjoyed them so much. I would love to see what Malo is up to. I would uh, obviously love the return of Gino. It's almost like I would almost just want more gameplay time built into Mario RPG. I will say that I thought one of the open doors that I caught, thought could have been perhaps explored a little more was plot, <laughs> plot involving the ghosts and the side quests. I love the musty fears. I yeah, yeah, they were awesome. great. I love the musty uh, fears. And I've always loved the ghost houses just in the regular Mario games. Even even in the newer Mario games, the ghost houses are usually my favorite levels. So I was thinking if I were going to do another one of these games, and this is not a fully thought out pitch, but I I thought I would do 
more with the dead. I thought there would be some kind of quest, something you would have to get from the ghosts, but they are notoriously sneaky and, and hard to pin down. So I thought you'd have to reconnect with the musty fears and and basically Gino and, and Malo maybe would have a little adventure into the Mario underworld. Not the world <laughs> in the pipes, but the world uh, beyond the veil. And I thought this would be a nice, good auto-include for Luigi, who is, is not in Mario RPG, not in a significant way at least, or really at all, right? Is he in the game? There's a quote, one of his, you find one of his wishes on the Star Hill, which is, I wish I was a, a great plumber like my brother. Well, that's a shame he's not. I would love to see Luigi in the game. Well, maybe he could be his main character, who, who knows? And I would love to see RPG elements then applied to the Luigi, uh, Luigi's Mansion game elements. You let him have his ghost-busting proton pack and his vacuum. You guys travel around together, uh, you know, and you, you kind of do some ghost-busting and, and RPG that way. So that, that would be what I would like to see. I thought those were just some fun elements to expand upon. I think so too. And, and using Luigi would be great because like you said, he's not involved in the first game, but he is heavily involved in the Mario and Luigi games, which are kind of like the future of the Mario RPG. Yeah, so I didn't play these. These were like the spiritual successor to these yes, games. Yes, they were right? kind yeah. of like the next step. And now, in regards to next step, I mean next step in progression of the series. Not necessarily better. They're even more lighthearted, and they're they're not as deep. They're fun. They're fun, but they don't have the same. It doesn't feel like a Square game. Uh, they feel like they feel like Mario games that have RPG that are essentially RPGs. And Paper Mario feels that way too. They're they're a little simplistic for me, and I think Mario RPG is you know, relatively simplistic for an RPG, but I think they're almost too simplistic for me. They do play a little too much into the platforming elements of stuff. And I think they're lovely. I love Paper Mario. I love Mario and Luigi. I think they're great, fun RPGs. I just, there's something missing from them. This kind of works perfectly for timing because Nintendo just announced yesterday that there'll be a new Paper Mario coming out in a couple of months. Now, granted, when this actually airs, it might be out already. Who knows? It got <laughs> it, me thinking. It, it's out and it's terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. It got me thinking about it when I watched the trailer. I'm like, this is great, but what is it still missing? And I really do just, like you said, I want to go back and I want to visit those characters again. And I miss Gino and I miss Malo and I miss Nimbus Land and Frog Fucius and Jonathan Jones. And I miss all these lovely characters like the Musty Fears and like Boshi, like these characters that we just oh haven't God. seen in a long but time. Boshi, the blue Yoshi with the cool shades. He's such a cool wow. guy. Yes. And ultimately <laughs> oh it's it's... It's he, it's he like was the most the most '90s character in there. Was Boshi, <laughs> oh yeah, Boshi the dinosaur. Boshi was like a he was like Sonic. He was like a fast blue Yoshi that yeah, wore sunglasses. Bart Simpson Yoshi. Who's man? And I loved it. I love all those characters to this day. If I see any memorabilia or any collectibles that have these characters on them, I buy them because they're so rare and they're so hard to get your hands on. And I would love it. And I agree with the people who are saying remake Mario RPG with the Mario plus Rabbids look because i think that look is actually perfect for this style of game because the way they make the world maps look and the maps look in that game is very reminiscent of mario rpg the way it's designed so i would love for them to go with that but i just would like them to maybe i don't know make it a little bit more in depth than your average paper mario or mario and luigi game and i want something bigger right i want something that gets a little out of the scope the first game was awesome and got you really opened up the scope of Mario, but we can't just like stop there. I want something to get a little, little bigger and I want it to do a little bit more and I want it to be just as fun and I would love it to remain turn-based, but also use the time hits and maybe add a little bit more to that. For example, like adding more aspects of what makes Final Fantasy games so great to those, maybe like limit breaks or summons or things like that. Yeah, they they, they started with having specific attacks that were almost like limit breaks. Yeah. Uh, you, you could do more 
more with it though, for sure. And in terms of the music stuff, uh, listen, maybe you can turn them all into little different instruments. So there's kind of some kind of like interplay between characters, timed hits. You can play like a little part of a song between characters. That'd be really neat. I think that would be really great. And play into the music thing, play into rhythm, bring back Yokoshima Mori to do the music again so that it has that same kind of lively bouncing feel and just give us something that tells another story with these characters, but one that's justified. The, the last thing I want to mention, just for anything I <laughs> would want it. out of this game, is my favorite Mario characters, other than the, of course, Gino uh, and and the, the titular character, uh, Mario, is Bowser's awful kids. Yes! Koopalings must be a part of any new Mario RPG for me. I think so. Whether they are playable characters, which would be wild. It would be so yeah. wild. Or if they are just bosses and enemies and stuff. It's, it's so good to see them. And, so, and, I was, and you're a guy who really loves his magic. So those are like the characters in the universe other than Kamek that use magic. They have magic yes. wands that they shoot at you. It's, it's, yes. I love Ka them. Kamek, Bowser's accountant. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And they make for perfect like world and mini bosses and all that stuff They're too. Perfect. And if you and, want to do some music, I mean, uh, just throw Ludwig up there and, yep. just, and just enjoy. I love it. I love, love, love it. But I have a pitch. Oh, oh, are you gonna are you gonna say the thing? How about this? Ooh, you said it. Here's my pitch for Super Mario RPG two. Though I probably wouldn't use the two. I'm calling the sequel Super Mario RPG: The Dream Highway. Ooh, I like it already. I was expecting Back to the Hood, but I'll take it. <laughs> So, this is my pitch. After saving the Star Road from the likes of Smithy and his extra planner evil crew, Gino, unfortunately, has to leave the Mario world and he gets sent back to the Star Road as its newest guardian. And as time passes by, Gino misses his adventures with his friends and life in the Star Road is more about making other people's wishes come true and not your own, and not your own. He often likes to daydream about his days with Mario and crew and saving the world, and he actually misses those adventures. So you, I think you want to start the focus with Gino because we want to go right from the gate. We want to let people know, hey, Gino's back. While this is Mario's game, obviously, but also, once again, Gino's going to be a central character in this game. After you see that intro and that beginning, you jump back to Mario's world. Mario and Bowser back to their normal nonsense because that's what people want to see. Um, however, Ma Mario still goes on adventures and still does his thing. But Peach or Princess Toadstool, she's a, she's a monarch, right? She has to rule a country or a city. So she too is stuck, trapped inside this castle. I, I see like there's a, for me, there's a running theme with this game where you have these characters that are kind of stuck in these roles and they just want to leave the roles and get out and go out into the world and do the wonderful things that they were able to do when they were on adventure trying to solve the whole Star Road thing. Peach, in a certain instance, is in the same same situation. She's She has to be the monarch. She has to rule. She has to do all of that kingly princess duty. And unfortunately, she wants to get out too. However, she still has contact with Malo because he also is a monarch, so they could travel back and forth. And he visits Mushroom Kingdom a lot, especially when he has to drop off stuff for his, his fake grandfather, Frog Fucius. Are his weird parents still alive? I think so. I think the I think all the cloud people are still there. Uh, they, I think, they disturb me. I don't know. <laughs> they are a little strange. I don't like the cloud folk. <laughs> I just don't. There's something about them. All right, I get it. I get it. It's okay, but Malo's important. Oh yes, I like Malo. He's you know whiny, but it's fine. <laughs> he's an e boy. Yeah, exactly. He's he's a little whiny. He's <laughs> I just I I instantly think of Malo singing. I'm just a kid, and life is a nightmare. <laughs> simple plan actually yeah how could this happen to me <laughs> yeah that's mallow and then he makes mallow. it rain makes, makes it, it rain. rain all over 
but not in the way you think. He just actually makes it rain every time he cries. No, and then he throws a bunch of singles at Toadstool. It's real bad. <laughs> it's, he's, he's not going to be around much longer. No, nah, it's not good. So I think the catalyst for this is that you get this intro in the story. The catalyst is that Mario's out in the fields one day. He's adventuring. He's doing his normal thing. And then he sees a giant dark cloud form over Peach's castle. And the skies open up. And you see these star bits start to rain all over the world. Oh, that's and not good. Not good at all. And Mario gets hit with one of these stars and is knocked out. Oh, does he get workman's comp? No. That union has to step up. I know. It's a bad plumber's union. I also feel like he's the only plumber. He and Luigi are the only plumbers in all of the Mario world. And, and Luigi's a shiftless layabout. He's out fighting ghosts in a match. Yeah, exactly. He's nobody's, winning. Getting, nobody's getting the pipes cleaned, man. <laughs> well, so, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so Mario ends up waking up. And when he wakes up, he's in his bed at the pipe house. And leaning over him once again is Toad. And Toad apparently has dragged him all the way back to the pipe house. And he explains to him that things have gotten very strange. And during the middle of the conversation, Toad automatically thinks of the princess and that they have to get to the kingdom as soon as they can to see if she's okay. So as Mario leaves, he goes through the mushroom way, their normal way to the mushroom kingdom to as a throwback to the original game. And while they're walking through the mushroom way, they're immediately stopped, not by Goombas, not by the Hammer Brothers, not by Croco or any of those people. They're stopped by Kremlings. Oh, from Donkey Kong. The vil- villains out of Donkey Kong. Oh, man. And these strange crocodile-like humanoids, Mario, you know, he gets through them and he, he defeats them like you usually do, like a couple early battles to teach you the thing in the game. And you notice that they're kind of out of place and they look <laughs> nothing like Croco, right? So it's like, ah, we have right. a crocodile friend, but these guys are different. So Mario and Toad continue to walk through the Mushroom Way and they get to the Mushroom Kingdom. It's chaos, right? There's star bits flying everywhere and they see lots of main strange creatures. They see Kremlings, they see Moblins, they even might see a space pirate or two. And even the castle itself looks odd, like it's flickering in and out of reality. So Mario and Toad rush in to find the princess, and she's on the throne, and she's about to be attacked by none other than King K. Rule, who demands that she give him access to Kong's banana horde. I gotta ask, which version of K. Rule is this? Is the he king. a pirate? He's, oh, he's, the, the, he's the king. He's the, the king. king. Okay, it's the it. king. Can it be the pirate later? It could be the pirate later. I, just, I love Captain K. Rool. Captain K. Rule? Yeah, I love Captain K. Rule. And he demands the banana horde. At this point, in the throne room with Princess, because he was here on a diplomatic a diplomatic visit, Malo's oh, yeah yeah exactly. Malo's dressed to the nines as he was in here with an audience there, and the three of them gang up on K. Rule and they oust him from the castle. And as the sky continues to rain star pieces upon the Mushroom Kingdom, the party learns that the safest place to go is, of course, Bowser's castle. To which Toadstool is not happy. So they meet up with Bowser and they're immediately contacted once they're there after they talk about what's going on. Even Bowser's like, yeah, this is very strange. They're contacted by Gino. The star spirit kind of speaks into their, their heads and they're all kind of confused. And he asks them for a vessel. Luckily enough, Bowser was able to get a limited edition Gino doll which he uses as a vessel for the star spirit, and Gino's back. He's back on the planet with them. Nice. Gino uses his powers to come back, and he reveals a very grim story to the party, that Smithy's attack on their world not only disrupted their star road, but it disrupted something that he refers to as the Dream Highway, an interconnected, complex system of star roads that not only provide wish fulfillment to their inhabitants, but also keep these kind of separate worlds intact and also are kind of like the meeting of all our different dreams 
dreams and wishes and hopes that they all come together in this dream highway. So if we want our dreams and stuff to come together, we need to make sure that they repair the dream highway and their actions, the actions of Smithy and his crew is have greatly disrupted this and has made things very, very difficult for dreams to ever come true. So Gino, since he was the hero of the last mission, he's been sent to get Mario and his friends to help him once again go on an adventure and repair the dream highway. Somewhere where all of the characters' hopes and dreams go to. Mm, college. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Only to have them crushed shortly thereafter. Shortly thereafter, or sometimes, you know, during college. So, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's real dark. As someone who worked at a university for a while, it's kind of dark. And my mentality with, with this is that I wanted to expand upon what Mario RPG did. And I wanted to make it a little bit bigger, but also tie in the same type of feelings where, you know, what are wishes, right? Other than a gateway into what our dreams are. Mm -hmm. And I love playing around with wishes and dreams, but I love when universes collide upon each other. Oh, and yes. I think Nintendo has such a ripe stable of wonderful characters that I would love to see Square kind of do what they did with Mario RPG, but expand that to include other Nintendo franchises. So it's going to be Mario versus Capcom. That's right, baby. Oh, man, that would be so good. So <laughs> it's, good. It's kind of there with Smash Brothers, That's what right? Smash Brothers is, yeah. Smash Brothers, you have Mega Man and you have Ryu and Ken, so you already have a healthy good amount enough. of Capcom yeah. in there. Um, but my idea here is to make it like a Kingdom Hearts almost, not in terms of gameplay, but make it like Kingdom Hearts in terms of presentation where in kingdom hearts you okay. go through all these different disney worlds that aren't really tied together they don't really tie them together well but in this one you go through all these different nintendo worlds that are affected by this kind of collective dream space that's been disrupted mm. you have to go there and try to essentially save these other kingdoms from i'm using smithy and his crew again because i feel like why not bring the villains back? You could do some really great stuff with Smithy replacing other characters in other universes or other Nintendo worlds with, with mechanical beings, right? With like weaponized mechanical beings of each. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Like, so so it's, the, it's the, the robots have come for everybody. Pretty much, yes. Yeah, Smithy's robots have come for everyone. And Smithy and his crew are actually in this kind of dream space that's in between everything and I'm going to have a throwback to the United States version of Super Mario Brothers 2 and I'm going to call it Subcon which is where Mario 2 I, I always love when they throw back to Mario 2 uh, I know a lot of people think that game's kind of weird and we know the story behind it and it is kind of weird in general Doki Doki but Doki Doki yeah Doki Doki Panic and, and Mario 2 are now Super Mario USA if you that's what they call <laughs> I, it I wish it was called Super Mario USA here I know that's, that's hilarious to name <laughs> it after the country you're already in yeah Super Mario USA so the reason yeah it's <laughs> that's, that's Mario USA Sonic Boom <laughs> Mario USA. <laughs> Comb your flat top. So, so I wanted to combine. I wanted to find a way to do that. So I feel you have all these worlds that are disrupted. We've already seen it an appearance from the Kremlings and from King K. Rule, who are normally from Kong's Island. So I think what would be great in this in this in this game, I think it would be it would be a lot of fun if Gino helped the party kind of traverse the dream highway to go to these different places to help them repair their 
access or their version or their piece of the dream highway. And you go to like these famous Nintendo places. So obviously you go to like the Mushroom Kingdom and Mario's World where, you know, Bowser has been replaced with this big evil Bowser robot that's, you know, hideous and ugly. Uh, And then you can go to Hyrule and actually have an actual RPG that takes place, a a traditional role-playing game that actually takes place within Hyrule. And you can team up with Link and Link can be a guest character that can pop up in your party and then you can fight like a- just, Just to get the crossover, he should be asleep like in that same yeah. bed. I, I thought this was a dream. I thought this was all a dream. Then this is not a dream. <laughs> and actually, that's how- <laughs> The second time we've referenced the Clerks television show on this podcast. Oh my God, what a callback. We're, we're going to reference that. I think we're going to reference that more than you, you'd uh, you That was think. today. That was today. And that, that's what I want too. I, I want there to be like every- And normally Mario RPG, you have three characters that you play as. I would love for there to be a fourth character. So for every world that you go to, you can team up with with another character from that world. So if you're in Hyrule, right, you can team up with Link and then you could go on some quest within Hyrule to take down Ganon, take down this robot version of Ganon, like this big angry robot pig and you take that down and you can kind of clear that clear that area and save that corner of the the dream highway and then you can go to you can go to kong island and then there's a version of king k rule there i'd also love to throw in planet zevis where you could uh take on take on the space pirates or whatever their mechanical version is maybe they're working with smithy's gang to kind of take over i'm actually the one of the worlds that i that i was very excited to write down was dreamland because i think i think i think going to kirby's world and doing some crazy stuff in dreamland and fighting you know whatever their version of king ddd would be i hope it's just chill penguin from mega man x he's got a hammer now yeah i i would i would uh i would totally be for it have i told you the story when i was at magfest with king ddd darth play just the wise no i I haven't heard the story so I was at MAGFest. It's a music and gaming convention down in the Washington, D.C. area. And I was there earlier this year, right at the, right at the beginning of the year, they do a convention. Uh, and it's great. It's at this big, wonderful uh, convention center and hotel. And, you know, it's like every other video game, anime, comic book convention. And when you're there, people are in costume and they're walking around, obviously, they're doing all this stuff. So one of the nights I was there, there was a guy who was dressed up as King DDD. And he was laying down in King DDD's like taunt from Super Smash Brothers. Oh yeah, like the leaned up against his own. Yeah, arm he's like pose he's like kind of thing. Yeah, like laying down on yeah. his own arm for hours. He did not move. <laughs> wow, maybe and he died. That was a corpse you were looking at. I actually was concerned that he had died. But he was very close to a pool. I thought maybe he would have fallen over into the pool had he had died, and then it would have been a much different. A much different story. And then, yeah, you can go to like... So anyway, back to, back to this pitch. So then you go into the other worlds. You know, you got, dream, you got Dreamland. And then I would love to do something with Yoshi's Island with like a, with an even more evil version of Kamek. I think that would be really cool. And, okay. and, and then I also would love to somehow let Square tie in a little bit of Final Fantasy. I think that having some little bit of Final Fantasy, whether you're involving one of the famous characters from the series, you're doing some of those Warrior of Light crystal things that happen in all all those old games, I think it's something that it would be a great way to kind of tie the two franchises together and go on this this ridiculous adventure with Gino kind of saving dreams, essentially. Saving the aspect of the dream. Saving the aspect of the witches. The wishes. And allowing people to, uh, maybe maybe that's part of the maybe that's part of the story maybe people can't dream what do you think the the MacGuffin is going to be like what are you trying to find in each of these worlds when you beat that Hmm. area guardian or whatever 
I think maybe when you're beating the Guardian, maybe that Smithy himself is using them to kind of take the energy that dreams create. Oh, so you're just and, trying to purge this place of all the people that are not supposed to be there. Yeah, I think I think that's the problem. I think okay, that there, yeah. there are people cool. who are there, and I think that you can play with like dream energy, and you can play with, you know, the fact that maybe people can't dream anymore, and it's really disturbing, and, you know, you have, it kind of puts like this malaise over all these different places, like the bananas don't taste as good in Kong Island, or the coins in Mario aren't as bright as they used to be. Oh, you know, maybe God. things like Nightmare. that. You know, and I think ultimately at the end, you go to this weird amalgamation of all these worlds called Subcon, where you have to go once again to defeat Smithy from doing this. And you defeat Smithy, and then, you know, you save the day because you're the hero. And I think it's a really lighthearted way to play with it. Because who wouldn't want to love to like jump into an RPG and then it's like, oh, cool, now Link's on the team for this little segment. Or then you have Donkey Kong for this little segment. Or, or you got Kirby or Yoshi in your party. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So the final boss is Smithy. I think you go back to Smithy, maybe probably a more beefed up version of Smithy, like Smithy 2.0, where he's got, you know, probably more energy and more powers based on maybe he can manipulate dreams or something. Maybe mm. he could do something with the dream energy. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of things. And then I would love for there to be a reference as one of Subcon's guardians, the character Wart from Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh yeah, that's real good. This is actually also like, it helps to justify Super Mario 2 in some way. I think that's it. And I think that's kind of where I've, what I've been trying to do for 30 years is justify <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 2 to people. Right. right. <laughs> I, think, I think having Wart- That's what this whole, this whole pitch was about. Just get Super Mario 2 to make sense. It's kind of like, you know, when you read a Fantastic Four story and it was Doom all along. Oh, and so every Fantastic Four story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As it turns out. I think bringing Wart back in some way, maybe he's the one who gave Smithy access to Subcon in the dreams because Wart is a character that almost- doesn't fully exist within the Nintendo Pantheon. Mm. We haven't seen him outside of kind of a cameo in Link's Awakening, and that takes place within a dream world too. And the whole subcon thing is this whole game, and Super Mario 2 is a big deal in 1988. They had right. all the cartoons and everything that came out around that time used the Super Mario Brothers 2 music. It used the same visual style. The party in the show was the same as the party in the game. It was Toad and Luigi and Princess Toadstool and Mario. And I feel like it's this weird it's almost like those two weeks that got erased when we switched calendars you know it's kind of like this weird <laughs> experience wow that All doesn't right. taking that way back <laughs> it's kind of like this weird experience that doesn't actually fully exist and i would absolutely love to be able to experience that again because it's like it kind of feels like a mario game but it also does not at all. So I, I think, love it. I think deep down, bringing back Wart, bringing back this kind of dream world subcon that only happens when Mario's asleep with all these weird characters like the Shy Guys and the Sniffits and the Bezos and Birdo and all these characters. I think it's a really great place to be like, yeah, remember that time Mario had that dream and told us all about it and we didn't think it was real, but oh, well, it's actually part of this interconnected dream highway. Yeah. So this is almost like Super Mario RPG 2, Wart's Revenge, because yeah. it's kind of like Smithy has found this loophole to win. Yes, it's like, he's... all right, they beat me, but oh, I can go into their dreams through Wart because uh, I have a wish 
Exactly. Like Smithy. This is like Smithy's wish. And maybe it's his dream, you know? Oh, I love I, that. That's really I, cool. You could, you could do a lot with that. I think you can. I think you can have a lot of fun. And the mechanics, I'd love to do, you know, bring back the timed hits. Right. Have it turn-based battle, battles with the emphasis on the snappiness and the rhythm. I do think having a four-character party for when you go to these different worlds to kind of recruit someone would be right, really so nice. that world's NPC. You could probably also drop in side quest NPCs that you can go yeah. search for somebody special. I think so. I think you can expand upon it. I think... Yeah. I think RPGs are no longer new in the mindset of many gamers, and I think many gamers expect a certain degree of side quests. Now, Mario RPG has a few, but the game in general is pretty linear, so opening it up and giving you some non-linear options would be very nice. Yeah, so for your game, it's almost, it's almost in the spirit of a reflection on Smash Brothers and yeah. Kingdom Hearts and these other team-up games and saying, let's try to tell a comprehensive story with those pieces rather than just everything is smashed up for no reason. Yeah, you know, and the original Smash Brothers was pretty much, the whole concept was it was a kid playing with his toys. Right, and, which is great. Which yeah. is great. I think it's a great concept. And they kind of lost that over time. Now they have like these weird spirit worlds and all this stuff and they're just, you know, they're trying to tie yeah, things boy, together right, to make yeah. it make sense. But, you know, we we know all this stuff exists within Nintendo, and I think that they could do something really nice with it. And, you know, we know Donkey Kong is a really big franchise. We know that people love Yoshi, and they love Kirby and Zelda. So why can't these characters get together in an event that is not a race? or a battle you know it's like right. why why, why do they have playing tennis with each other yeah. exactly why do they have to always be at each other's throats in some sort of competition where it's like how cool would it be if you had these characters teamed up and this is what kills me the most is that i would love nothing more than to have capcom involved as well and be able to include like Mega Man and his people but you know that's another license and another company you'd have to deal with because i think a Mega Man rpg could be great especially something like this however eh, you know it's much more likely that we'll get a square nintendo crossover at some point soon because Square and Nintendo have been working hand in hand lately with bringing a lot of famous classic Squaresoft games and new Squaresoft games specifically in a Nintendo Switch. Octopath Traveler was a Switch exclusive for almost a year before they got ported and it only got ported to PC. So Nintendo and Square have been working together. You have the Bravely series that is a Nintendo exclusive series, you know, published by Squaresoft or Square Enix as they're known now. The best version of Dragon Quest XI is a Nintendo Switch game. You can't even get the upgraded version of Dragon Quest XI on the PS4. There's so definitely... What you're saying is this is happening. This absolutely. Is 100%. Mario RPG, it's in the can. They're it's doing in, it. They're doing it it's it's happening i they're listening you know, to our show and they are writing down everything they've definitely told everyone that this is a good idea and they're gonna go with it that's at least what my uncle at nintendo told me nice thanks <laughs> uncle nintendo so yeah and i also would love to just you know i just want to go back i just want to go back to that feeling and i understand while this why why this nostalgia nostalgia is potentially toxic because it wants you to you're trying to recapture a feeling that you can't yeah but I would love for something to at least reinvigorate my love for yeah, Super and Mario. And to, to support you, you're not requesting nostalgia, really. Because this is not a remake. This is no. a sequel. This yeah. is straight up a sequel. So for me, this is the best aspects of nostalgia. It's not just wanting to relive that time again. It's kind of saying like, hey, I want something that excites that part of myself again. Not that I want to go back. Great. Yeah, you're right. And I wanted, I wanted to celebrate what that first game did. I don't want it to try to recreate it. I don't want it to make it anew or reboot it or remake it. I want them in the spirit of Mario RPG to create something that celebrates its legacy and allows it to grow at least a little bit because it's something we haven't seen forever. Now, I'd be perfectly happy if they never made a sequel. If they just left it as it is and it's something that continued to get released on Super Nintendo Mini 
right. or Nintendo Switch Online. But I feel like it's such a great property that just kind of got lost and it got swallowed up by, you know, stuff like Paper Mario and, uh, and Mario and Luigi, which I do enjoy. It's just, it's not that. It's right. not that game. It's not the same thing. It's definitely different enough. It's like Pepsi to Coke almost. I like both of them. I know that's people think I'm crazy for saying You're that. You're crazy. But- Pepsi is garbage water. Well, anywho, maybe I should use a better um, analogy. I don't have a better analogy right now. So all I'm going to say is it's like, I don't need something that's in the vein. That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need something that's in the vein, but different. I would just love something that tells another complete story in that legacy. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're alone in this. You know, every time we see a like 100 greatest games list that someone puts out, whether that is like a, a huge company or just one of the individual uh, journalists that we follow, Mario RPG is always on the list. Always. It's usually in the top half. And in many cases, it's in the top 10. So this is definitely a game that is in the consciousness of people that play games and love games. So I actually think this is possible. I think we may see a sequel that is more a true sequel at some point. I would say that given Nintendo and Square's relationship now, given Nintendo's relationship with their own characters now, letting other companies work with their characters, it's happened a few times and it's happened with properties that Nintendo is very, very guarded about. That being, you know, Mario and Rabbids, like letting another company work with Mario is like Nintendo would never really do that otherwise. They also let an indie house work with Zelda when there was a game last year called Cadence of Hyrule, which was like a rhythm-based action game and it was great and people loved it, but it was using Zelda characters and Zelda music in something that wasn't developed by Nintendo. So Nintendo was starting to open up. I think they're starting to realize that there are other great game studios out there who can do great things with their characters as long as it still fits under the Nintendo umbrella. And I think something like this is something that could really work especially since people are clamoring for something that gives us a little bit more of that universe. I, while I think that Mario RPG ending without a sequel, just being a one single solitary game, it's something beautiful. It's like it's like it's like a movie that was one and done, right? It's like that. <laughs> like how movies used to be. Like how they used to be before we had sequels for everything. But this is like the perfect sequel. You know what I mean? Like if they could do it right, I would love to see them do a perfect sequel, something that you don't necessarily need to play everything from the first game or completely understand it to play, but something that rewards you for being there since the beginning. Totally, man. Okay, so that's my pitch. I love it. Let's do it. I'm buying it. You got my money. Okay. Take, shut up and take my money. I'll shut up and take your money, but first we have to wrap shut this up. Shut up and take my frog coins. <laughs> take them. I earned them on the waterfall. It was very difficult, like surprisingly so. Yeah. <laughs> you get enough of those, you get that XP booster. Yeah, I never did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we got to wrap this up. That's Mario RPG for you. I think next time we're going to talk about, are we going to say? Uh, it's 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 going to be the mummy. <laughs> We're, we're doing the mummy. It's, I think it's mummy. it's mummy time next time. So I think Jordan's actually going to lead the pitch on that one, just because I feel like while Emotep. I love the mummy, and I have another Magfest story to tell when we talk about the mummy. Go figure. Oh, look at that. I just want to say, everyone out there in cyberspace and internet land, thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of How About This, a nerd pitch show where my wonderful co-host Jordan and I talk about some of our favorite properties and give you our fantasy pitches for those properties. This has been a lot of fun for us so far, so we hope to continue to do this every single week until we run out of space. Yeah, well, okay, that's perfectly fine. Until we run out of space and time on this planet. (laughs) And then we'll record two or three episodes before that. So once we're dead, we can at least release a couple more. We shall also record after we are dead. Oh, ghost cast. I love it.
So for Jordan Hugh, I am Mike Staub. Thank you so much. Please stay tuned. We're going to start doing the whole social media thing at some point. We'll probably have a website and we'll probably have all different places where you can get our stuff and hopefully we can have some products or whatever like that. But right now we're starting right here. We're going to be on iTunes and Spotify and all those places you can find your favorite podcast. Be sure to give us a like, be sure to subscribe, be sure to comment and be sure to, I don't know, Jordan, what do you, what do you think they should be sure to do? They should download this and put it on a floppy disk, which I am told is the best way to store things. Yes. It's, it's quadruple encrypted. Yes. Yes. All the encryption. And it's bejeweled. (laughs) It's bejeweled blitz. I've lost my mind. Please end the show. This has been fun. We'll be back next time with The Mummy. So, Jordan, say say so long to everyone. So long, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. How about this is a show where two New York-based entertainment gluttons create fantasy pitches for some of their favorite properties. Starring Jordan Hugh and Mike Staub, the How About This podcast is a culmination of almost 70 combined years of entertainment consumption. From movies to TV, video games to comics, these two nerds are going to get deep into the hypothetical. They're going for a dive into the primordial ooze of the fever dream to come up with some incredibly interesting ways to handle some well-known brands. Join Jordan and Mike every week for an hour of brainstorming joke cracking and movie quoting until they can come up with the best ideas they can muster all starting with one question how about this